Our gospel reading for this morning is from Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised, and on the Sabbath he went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because the Lord has anointed me. God has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. And he began to explain to them, today, today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you have heard it. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's only us, there's only this, forget regret, or life is yours to miss, no other road, no other way, no day but today. Well, these are the words that the characters of Rent sing at the ending of the hit Broadway musical, now celebrating its 25th year anniversary. For those who might not be familiar with Rent, it is about a group of struggling artists fighting for love and survival during the AIDS epidemic in New York City. In fact, it's actually in the midst of a support group meeting for people living with AIDS that this lyric first appears, that there is no day but today. And then it keeps on popping up throughout the musical until finally the entire cast sings these words together at the very end. But little did Ayana Smash and Coleman Cummings The actors who play the characters Mimi and Roger, little did they know when they sang these words on March 12th of 2020 that it would be the last time they would be on stage performing their beloved musical for the next year and a half. Little did they know that this anniversary tour would come to a screeching halt in 2020 when the pandemic hit 
and that for the next year and a half, they and the rest of the cast would have to put their lives on hold, not knowing if they would ever be back on stage again. Now, thankfully, you and I know a bit of the rest of the story, that Broadway did open back up and the tour resumed last fall. And in an interview with NPR, Smash and Cummings shared about the ways in which this musical about living through an epidemic continues to speak to the moment in which we find ourselves living through this pandemic today. Having their tour end so abruptly and not having theater for a year and a half shook them. Cummings said that it shook his faith. It taught them not to take any moment for granted. Smash said that it reminded her that this life is so fragile. And they both said that to them, the message of the show rings truer now more than ever before. That they often find themselves getting emotional each time they sing this particular song because now they understand Now they get it that there is no day but today. And you know, I can't help but wonder if this is the message that Jesus might be proclaiming to his hometown in today's scripture reading. In a lot of ways, it's a really strange sermon. It's two sentences long. It's Jesus' drop mic kind of moment. Because he gets up, he says his two lines... And then he turns around and sits back down. I know that people don't tend to like really long sermons, but I kind of think that if I were to get up here and to say two sentences and then to sit back down, you would all give me really weird looks. Like, Mary Alice, what's going on and what are we supposed to do next? I kind of have a feeling Kathy Collier might be giving me an eye over her mask. Like, what is going on? But perhaps that's what the people in the synagogue are doing as well. They are looking at Jesus. The text says that they have their eyes fixed on Jesus. Like, we're not quite sure what just happened or what in the world to do with this. But then he turns to them and says, Today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, he says, God's word is coming to life within you and among you. Not years ago in the good old days. Not years from now when you're settled down and have it all figured out. No, this can all be true among you today. If you think about it, Jesus points us toward the power of today often throughout his ministry. He says very regularly that today the kingdom of God is at hand. Or do not worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Today has enough trouble of its own. He says to the person on the cross beside him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Or when he teaches us to pray, as we learn together this fall at Highland, he says that we are to pray for this day, today, our daily bread. And when he sees Zacchaeus up in that tree, he says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come on down, for I'm coming to your house today. 
And then when he gets there, Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today. It's a reminder that today, not tomorrow or next week or next year or even 10 years from now, and not last year or back in the glory days or before the pandemic or when life was so much simpler, but today, friends, in this very moment in which we find ourselves, we have all that we need to live into God's dreams for us and for our world. Debbie Thomas points out just how revolutionary Jesus' words are here. She says, this is not religion as we know it. This is not nostalgia for the past, nor a fantasy for the future, It's not centered in memory or anticipation. It's not next year I'll do this, or in the old ways we used to do things that way, or someday God will set things right. Jesus just proclaims today, which is perhaps exactly what God means whenever she speaks her unspeakable name, I am. And the power of that name always pulls back the curtain to reveal the eternal present where God lives. It's an especially important reminder for us in this new season of COVID, isn't it? Like many of you, I just keep longing for the day when all of this will be over and we can finally move forward or go back to normal And to be honest, I really thought that January would feel like turning a fresh page, starting a new chapter, beginning again in my life, in the church's life, in the world around us. And yet January kind of feels more like a dumpster fire than a fresh page. January doesn't have me singing, no day but today, but how long, O Lord? And yet Jesus is reminding us here that we can't be waiting for some mysterious day ahead of us. That the day we are invited to live wholeheartedly, the day we have everything we need around us to do what God is calling us to do and to be who God is calling us to be, that day is available to us today. Perhaps the question is, are we willing to say yes? I think this is maybe what Shonda Rhimes discovered a few years ago when she realized that she wasn't really living her life. I'm sure, I mean, she's the queen of television. She's a producer and screenwriter whose shows are known for their captivating plot twists that keep viewers watching week after week. We think Shonda Rhimes has the whole package, right? But with three hit shows on primetime television and three children at home, Shonda said that she had lots of good reasons to say no to just about everything especially anything that sounded scary or unfamiliar. And so one day, her sister sent her a six-word text message that she says changed her life. Her sister said, Shonda, 
You never say yes to anything. And so for the next year, Shonda pushed herself to say yes to something every day. Of course, on the very day that she decided to make this commitment, she received an invitation to speak at the graduation of Dartmouth University, something she said she never would have done before. But this experience of every day choosing to say yes to something that had been entrusted to her was was so compelling and so revolutionary that she went on to write a book about it called A Year of Yes, which quickly became a New York Times bestseller. And her book outlines all of the unexpected day-to-day adventures that followed all because of her willingness to say yes. Yes to everything scary, she writes. Yes to everything that takes me out of my comfort zone. Yes to everything that feels like it might just be crazy. Yes to everything that feels out of character for me. Yes to everything that even feels a little goofy. Yes, yes, yes. And so Highland... Wherever you are, as you are watching or listening today, I wonder what God might be inviting you to say yes to. You see, we can try to put off life all we want until after the pandemic. Except I don't know about you, but here we are, almost two years later, and I'm starting to wonder if a day after COVID-19 is ever going to exist. And I can't help but wonder what might happen if you and I would be so bold as to say yes to the scripture being fulfilled among us today. Not back when we're all together again, not when COVID-19 is over, not when life feels normal again, but today. What if we said yes to bringing good news to the poor today? What if we said yes to proclaiming release for the captives today? What if we said yes to letting the oppressed go free? What if we said yes to liberation today? What if we said yes to whatever it is that God is inviting us to do and yes to whomever it is that God is calling us to be? Yes to living out God's dreams for us and for our world. Not after COVID, not after the semester, not even after we make it through this week, but today. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by Frederick Buechner. I actually have it framed and hanging on a wall at my house. He says, one life on this earth is all that we get. Whether it is enough or not enough. And we are at the very least fools if we do not live it as fully and bravely and beautifully as we can. I actually shared these words at my friend Brenda's funeral just two years ago from this past week. Because although Brenda's life was cut too short, she embodied what it looks like to live fully and bravely and beautifully each day of her almost 60-year-long life. 
I've spoken about Brenda often, and many of you got to meet her husband, Randall, who came and shared at my installation service last summer. Brenda found out that she had stage 4 pancreatic cancer in March of 2019, and she died on New Year's Day 2020. But just four weeks after receiving this devastating diagnosis, Brenda and Randall actually shared in worship at our church back in Texas about some of the lessons they had learned throughout their life together. I went back to our worship notes and wanted to share some of what they shared that day. They said that in their early days of marriage, as they were both working on graduate degrees and beginning their careers and their life together, they realized that all of their conversations were often peppered with phrases like, when the semester is over, or when I finally finish this dissertation, or when we have children, or when we finally can afford a house. But they said, we soon realized that we were neglecting the life we were living in the present, in deference to an imagined life in which everything would be better. And so we made a practice of calling each other out on it, a practice that lasted throughout our 36 years of marriage. Randall said what we started to recognize that was that the life we were living in a sometimes cold and damp 1940s-built seminary apartment in the 1980s That life was good, and we needed to name it as such. Then there was the period of dealing with my brother's death in our late 20s, and the 11 years of infertility we experienced through our mid-30s. But it was also a time filled with much to celebrate, and we needed to name it. We needed to name that even in the midst of our struggles with five failed adoptions, or of my unexpectedly being embroiled in Baptist denominational politics. We don't know anything about that, do we, Highland? Even in the midst of these periods of our lives, they were filled with both deep pain and many unanticipated joys. They said on this day in 2019, this pattern has continued with struggles with raising our children, job changes, aging parents, and in the moment in which we find ourselves today with this diagnosis. Brenda went on to say, what good does it do to postpone your life when you receive news that you have inoperable stage 4 cancer, when you are told that you have just three to nine months to live. The reality is that we're all still figuring this out, just as we were unsure what living in the moment meant as newlyweds in 1983, struggling to live on less than $12,000 a year and studying and working around the clock. We are now struggling with what it means to measure each day as if it were our last to both live authentically and to authentically live in these days, too. In reality, today, we have fewer pat answers than we did in our 20s. Yet, in some ways, these days feel a lot like our 20s. Sure, they said it's true that we finally do have a host of the things that we were waiting for, for one day. 
But we've also learned that life is more and more lived in the simplicity of the small things. The same sort of small things we celebrated back in those earlier days in that small 1920s apartment. (laughs) Walks down the street. Sitting together in the quietness of our living room. Reading poetry. Eating a simple meal together and having the best conversation drinking a cup of tea, and most importantly, time spent with family and friends, phone calls to relatives, reconnecting with those we love, hugging them a little tighter, forgiving more frequently, and sweating the small things a little less. I'm still blown away when I think about it, that Brenda got up and shared these words in the midst of that diagnosis. And I don't know many people who live that fully and that presently, especially moments like that. You know, if I can, I might edit Beekner's words a little bit for us today. And I would say that today on this earth is what we are entrusted whether it is enough or not enough, but we are not promised tomorrow. Life is fragile. Life is gift, which means that today, this day, is sacred. And we are at the very least fools if we do not live it as fully and bravely and beautifully as we can. And so may it be so, church. May this scripture be fulfilled and may God's dreams come to life within us. Because it's true. There's no day but today. Amen.